Podcraft. This episode is sponsored by Still Point Wellness. I love Still Point Wellness. I love the staff. I love their services. They offer a very unique spa experience in Asheville. All of their services are designed to help you unplug from the stresses of today's modern world. And boy, do we all need that. They do it through services like saltwater flotation, also known as sensory deprivation, the world-renowned Esalen massage, cranial psychotherapy, and somatic psychology. They are locally owned and operated by my dear friends, Corey Costanzo and Robin Fan Costanzo. Corey is a somatic therapist and he teaches mindfulness meditation courses. And Robin is an internationally renowned massage instructor who was actually inducted into the Massage World Hall of Fame. Their highly skilled massage staff have each trained under Robin and each earned full certification to practice Esalen Massage. I love Esalen Massage. I know it. I'm an Esalen Massage practitioner. It is a fantastic massage. Together, Corey and Robin have created a world-class experience in understanding the mind-body connection through deep relaxation. So contact them at stillpointwell.com or call 828-348-5372. And don't forget to mention discount code PREPO to get 10% off your first float and first Esalen massage. I really believe that you're going to love the experience. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Art of Apology. I'm going to be doing a monologue. It's a juicy one. It's an interesting exploration around some of the real challenging aspects and the healing, deep healing aspects. If we really have the good experience of giving, receiving, and asking for a genuine apology. So as I was giving this monologue, I really realized how much more time is needed on some of specific relationships, like parent-child relationships around apology and co-workers and workforce around apology. So I will be doing those in the future, probably some conversations with some interesting people on that. So stay tuned for all of that. I give some stories, some personal stories, of course, around apologies in my committed relationship with my wife, with other people and friends, and how that shaped my life. What I've learned about apologies and teaching, and we give apology workshops, and of course, in my practice as a therapist of how challenging a lot of this is for people and why, and why they avoid it. And some of the tips, of course, of how to give a good apology of really understanding accountability and responsibility, understanding how shame plays in all of this, how self-compassion also plays in the ability to give a really good apology. And of course, the exploration of forgiveness. Where does that play in the aspect of apology? So I'm imagining that it might bring up some uncomfortability in what you hear, and that's okay. That's what it means to grow and be open. So give a listen. The Art of Apology. So on today's monologue, we are going to explore the art of apology. And when I say we are going to explore, even though I'm going to be talking and exploring it with my thoughts, I know that you're going to be exploring it within yourself. That's what I love about my podcast. I believe that even though that I'm talking or I'm maybe having a conversation with someone else, all of you listeners are having your own experience. So we're exploring this together. 
you have in your thoughts, your experiences of your life, how it fits in, how you may want to change some things, what's coming up for you. So thanks for exploring this with me. So the art of apology. And similar to the art of listening, one that that title that I gave to a previous podcast, I believe it's such an art. An art means that it's, it has so much subtleties that you have to really master it and practice it and have a passion for it and make it your own. It's unique. So it is an art. You can learn some steps, but you got to make it your own. So explore. It's exploring the art of apology because there's no right ways. There's things that I can guide and tell you what works in some circumstances that are beneficial, but you have to find your, your way in it. You have to have your own experiences. So in a committed relationship, a romantic committed relationship, the words that are really powerful, if you really feel them when you say them, is of course, I love you. And they have to be felt. I'm going to digress a little bit on this because my son and I, we say I love you to each other a lot. We go back and forth and I just text him this morning. He's in, living in the Netherlands and and we had a couple, three or four, I love you's back and forth. And it just spurned a memory that I had when he was maybe about 15 or 16. And I said to him, hey, I just want to tell you, like, when you say I love you, if you don't feel it, you don't have to say it. And I remember he looked at me incredulous. He looked at me and he said, Dad, when would I not feel it? And boy, as a parent, those of you might feel it, boy, the tears started welling up. How beautiful that felt. One, I want to give a shout out to my son, Z, Xander. He's a big reason why I'm doing this podcast. He encouraged me to do it because podcasts are a big part of his life. And so I get to share my ideas and my thoughts and my feelings and my work and some of my expertise on these podcasts. And so I want everybody to know that the number one reason is for him so that he gets it and that he is a part of me and that it moves in his life in a positive direction. All of these things that I explore. Second is all of you. <laughs> so you're on a good second list. I hope that you're getting a lot out of what it is that I'm sharing. So what do you think those other three words that are the most powerful that when felt is the most powerful in relationships? You got it. I am sorry. And unfortunately, many people or couples don't apologize often enough and say that phrase. And some of them never do. Or when they say it, they don't feel it. Sometimes they let pride get in the way. They let the right and wrong. I think that's a big one. I let the right and wrong get in a lot of times. Boy, that addiction to being right, the greatest human addiction. Right, right, right. When you get to be right, what do you get? You get the freaking booby prize. You get to be right. You don't get more love. You don't get more connection. You don't get more understanding and empathy. You get to be right. And I'll put it out to, I get to be right. So we need to get off of that plane of thought. You know, some other reasons why people don't apologize is they refuse to apologize because they feel like they're relinquishing power, right? It's a big one. If I say that I'm sorry, then I'm giving you the power. I'm more vulnerable. Well, guess what? Vulnerability is what creates intimacy. And you got to get off of that power struggle with people that you care about. And even in business partners, because when I take accountability and responsibility and say, I'm sorry, nobody's got anything on me. I just took the power. I took accountability. I took a responsibility. Nobody's got to tell me. Nobody's got to keep harping on it. So it's a powerful position. It's not a weak position. But a word from the wise a little bit. I know for men, when men feel like they're being attacked, then most men aren't going to be, feel vulnerable. And then, therefore, it's much less likely that he's going to admit that he's wrong. So just put that out there around that aspect of the energy that's coming in, especially when you ask for an apology, which I'll get into in a little bit. 
I know in working with so many couples that some women view when a man has difficulty apologizing, they see him as stubborn, as unfair, and ultimately uncaring. So a couple little tips. When a woman has her experience, man, I always tell you, she says the sky's green, ask her what shade of green is it. If she feels hurt, then it's her experience. Acknowledging and validating her experience is vital to an aspect of a woman feeling heard and seen. And apologies are very important to women because equality is so important, of course. Look where women are today, the fight for equality and fairness. So of course a woman is gonna want that. They're gonna want to have that aspect of understanding of restitution and that they were wronged. They wanna be able to trust their own experiences. And then it feels safe when the other person trusts their perception, their experience. So again, man, if your partner tells you that she's hurt by your behavior, go ahead and apologize. Don't make excuses. Don't tell her that she shouldn't feel hurt again. This is her experience. She feels hurt. Don't tell her that she's being silly or being oversensitive. Especially don't tell her that she's immature or acting like a baby. Just apologize. And I know I'm being kind of curt on that, but boy, that could go such a long way. Couples go back and forth in my office just about that specific aspect that they're arguing about instead of once one of them asks for an apology. It's so important that you mindfully take in about what's going on in the relationship. It's a great repair opportunity. If you don't feel it at that moment, absolutely do not apologize. That's one of the prerequisites for apology is that you have to feel it. So take your time when you are going to say an apology. When your partner or somebody asks for an apology, if you don't feel it right at that moment, do not give it. You could tell them, I hear that you really want an apology from me. I want to do it sincerely. I want it to be better in our relationship. So I need to take some time and you can tell what time that would be. You might say, I need a few days or I need a week or I will get back to you and let you know when I'm ready to give you an apology. I know that could be challenging for the other person, but it's much better that you get a sincere apology than a just flip it one, right? How many times do people say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, right? I'm sorry, what do you want from me? Quit nagging me. I told you I'm sorry. That is not an apology, right? And that happens a lot. So that's not beneficial at all. So it's so much better to take your time, let it digest, hear the person out, hear them talk about their experience and how hurt occurred and even... Yeah, you might feel blamed at times, but hear them out. You'll have information to know how you affected that person. And then when you're able to give an apology, then you know that you have a wonderful repair tool. You can do that well. And when you do that well, that's empowering. And you get to experiment with what it feels like when perhaps you're being really vulnerable and you think that you might have the down position in the relationship, how that comes up again, that power struggle. That's all growth. That's what conflict is about, folks. I know that people want to avoid it. They think that they shouldn't have it, and it's so hard to be around it. But conflict is for growth. That's the purpose for understanding. And so venturing on this art of apology and the exploration of apology is part of this growth to really see the edges that are really challenging for us. Is it really challenging to take accountability and responsibility? Because if you do, then you might feel too much shame. That's a good understanding for you to have. If you feel too much shame, if you have a lot of shame, it's going to be very difficult for you to take accountability and responsibility. You know why? It's too painful. That's what happens with shame. We feel it in our personhood. It's a character flaw, shame. I'm bad. Instead of I did something wrong, I said something bad, I said something hurtful, shame takes it as I'm bad. 
I'm wrong. I'm hurtful. So we have to have enough self-compassion and feed the self-compassion so that we can take accountability and responsibility. That's the antidote, right, to shame. Some of you that might have read some of Brene Brown's work. I know she talks about wonderful antidote to shame is self-compassion. So the more self-compassion that you'll feel, I made a mistake. Many, many millions of people before me have been human and done what I just did. That's self-compassion. It's not an excuse. It's self-compassion so that you can take accountability and responsibility. So this is a, a growth process for a lot of people, the exploration of apology, to see if it's hard to apologize. Maybe it's because you're feeling too much shame. Sometimes that shame is going to come out towards the other person in anger. Because again, we don't want to feel what's underneath that anger. That's what anger does. It anesthetizes the feelings that are underneath it. So practice more self-compassion so that you can take more accountability. You will do much better at apologizing when you really feed that self-compassion. So uh, the other end of the spectrum that I see with couples and men having a hard time because of feeling vulnerable and, and not wanting to take that experience of vulnerability and take accountability, what I see on some of the opposite sides is that women over-apologize. And I think because women are biologically conditioned to value, for instance, connection and value compromise and cooperation, they often apologize in efforts to keep the peace. So keeping the peace is wonderful, but if you're doing it in a compromise, if you're really doing it only to keep the peace, but you're not speaking your truth, you're not speaking your apparent, your experience. So that's something for some women to look at the edge. Do you over-apologize? We apologize for so many things that we shouldn't apologize for. A lot of times my clients or people that I talk to, when they don't know something, they'll apologize for it. I ask them a question. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't know. I'm sorry, I don't know. Are we really sorry that we don't know? Or do we just feel, I don't think, I don't know if it's remorse. I think it's embarrassment a lot of times when people say, I'm sorry. You can feel it in your body, the difference of remorse and of embarrassment. Those are something to play with, to understand when you're feeling and saying, I'm sorry, is it congruent with the words? And I know that there are many people that talk about forgiveness and all this. When are you going to talk about forgiveness, Prepo? Forgiveness is a part of it, but it's not a prerequisite. When you're going into an apology, you got to watch your expectations of that person forgiving you. You can ask for it, but don't expect it, right? An expectation is a yet-to-be-realized resentment. I got that from John Lee one day, an author and workshop leader. So again, I believe that forgiveness is not essential in the apology, that it has to come natural. It's a process that can take time. Because more importantly, the giving and receiving of meaningful apologies is often required before true forgiveness can occur. So focus way more on the meaningfulness and the felt sense of giving and receiving. Boy, if more people apologized, I know the benefits of my practice, I'd probably see fewer people splitting up and getting divorces. You know, to be able to move past the anger and the resentment. I really try to work at that with, with couples. My wife and I have also given the Art of Apology workshops just as we give the Power of Appreciation workshops, a six-hour full-day workshop. Well, I remember when we started to develop that workshop, we realized, wow, you know, we need to get better at apologies. So one thing that we did was we made a list of 10 apologies that we wanted from the other person and 10 apologies that we felt that we needed to give over 24 years of being together. Even the ones that we thought that we already took care of we put down and that was a heck of a process to write that and then we decided to try to even just hit our top three 
but we went ahead and moved through all of those apologies to the workup to our workshop. I think we took a few months and worked all of those apologies with each other. And I remember thinking, boy, if this workshop never goes, if we never do it, if there's not enough participants, if nobody's interested in it, it has been so worth it for us to be able to go through the process for us and our relationship and our growth. So I was so thankful that we focused on and we were going to give a workshop on apology for us to do the work. We even did little things like get apology songs, like I might have mentioned about appreciation song. So there's an apology song that really resonates with me that I ask my wife at times or I play it when she's going to give me an apology. And that is sorry seems to be the hardest word. Elton John, right? It's sad, so sad. Why can't we talk it over? Yeah, sorry seems to be the hardest word, isn't it? So I know that I'm really feeling it when I'm received, I want her to give it. That's the song that I play. And my wife's song that she loves, if I play it when I'm apologizing, John Lennon's Jealous Guy. Even though I'm not Jealous Guys, there's lines in there that really resonates. Like, I didn't mean to hurt you. I'm sorry that I made you cry. <laughs> yeah, I feel those when I'm, when I'm going to give an apology. It really helps. So use what helps if you need some music to get you in the mood. By all means, go ahead and do that. That's something that we found out that was really beneficial to do. I know also doing that really enhanced my relationship with my son when it came to apologies. I really understood on a deeper level, even though a lot of his life we were focused on it very much, it took it to another level to be able to really take accountability and responsibility. And parents, that is one of the greatest modeling and equal to appreciations, my bookends. Do appreciation so well and do apology so well. Wonderful for relationships and wonderful for repair. But when you do apologies well with your partner, with other people in your life, that your kids actually see it and they know that you're modeling it, you're teaching responsibility, you're teaching empathy, you're teaching compassion, humility, understanding, empowerment, so parents, I know that that's also a real challenge is to take real accountability and responsibility when you think that your child's in the wrong. And we spend a lot of time thinking of how much our ch children are in the wrong. So we have to change that because that's also a deterrent to apologizing is the judgments that come in. When we're judging really strong and we're really stubborn in that, it's really hard to apologize. So great parenting tip. Go ahead and really work on your apologies with your children. Boy, another part that I've seen in my practice that can be gut-wrenching, of course, is family members that are estranged. Whether you're on the receiving end or there's other family members that you don't talk to because you've created a boundary that feels safe for you. I have seen at times how that becomes a bridge and can help heal a wound. It can bring families back together at times, but that's a complicated issue, as a lot of you know. I've also seen how tremendously it's helped people, for instance, like addicts who lose their integrity or other people that lose integrity because of decisions that they made, because of their actions to apologize for their misdeeds and forgive themselves creates a healing path for them. In other avenues of how beneficial apologies can be is at the end of life, right? When there's people that, that you know are at the end of life or you may be at the end of life, going back and reassessing. And if you're in a relationship with a person that can be in tremendous closure in apologies. And I know some people have ventured into that. I've had people in my practice that have had that experience and that I've helped them work on that. 
to be able to give a sincere apologies of years and years and years of holding resentment to a person, and now that person is dying, or that they're very ill, because I have the opposite. There are people that sit on my sofa with the regret of not saying apologies, not taking accountability because of some stubbornness and so forth. And of course, ourselves, instead of, again, utilizing that wonderful gift that we're so scared of at times and fear is death, our own death, but utilizing that, if I know that death is so close to me, which it is, it can happen anytime, same thing that I talked about with an apologies of really saying how I feel about that person. What about also thinking about, is there anything that I really want to take accountability and apologize for to be able to really give that gift to us in our relationship of me taking accountability and responsibility and really showing empathy to the other person? Because one of the greatest gifts that I have gotten from exploring apologies, my own apologies, is the lesson of humility. Because I know when I apologize, I humble myself. And I feel that that's a beautiful act as a human being. And if I do it before the person, right in front of them that I have harmed, and then therefore this helps their relationship and it helps me regain part of my human dignity, my sense of self, and my humanity, that's been a beautiful exploration for myself. So, I know you're asking, what are the components of an apology? <laughs> Aren't you asking for that? Well, here are some tips about it. You know, the giving, there's giving and there's the receiving of it and there's for asking for it. In giving an apology, one of the biggest things, of course, is we have to make sure that we're taking accountability and responsibility, that we feel that. So it's getting away from that cliche of, if I offended you in any way, I am sorry. That is not an apology. Ifs and buts are not apologies, right? Apologizing and saying but and then defending and giving excuses. So you gotta wipe that out. No excuses, no explaining. Really take full accountability. After you take accountability and responsibility, I think it's so important that you really empathize with what you imagine the person feels. Right? Empathy is key. And any regret that comes up for you to be able to express that. And then if there is restitution, telling the person how you will change that behavior, what you will do, what you will not do. So I'm gonna give you a couple examples of some really heartfelt apologies. I'm sorry that I hurt you, or I'm sorry that I shamed or criticized or blamed you. What I said was thoughtless and hurtful. It didn't come from my heart. I imagine you felt discarded, judged, attacked, and I don't like hurting you. I promise I will focus on being more connected in my heart and pay attention to my words and try to catch them earlier. Yeah, that's a big one, huh? Here's another one. I'm sorry that I interrupted you again. I do that. It was rude and thoughtless of me. I was impatient and defensive. I imagine you must have felt put down or belittled or criticized. I really want to change this habit. I want to hear what you are saying. I can't promise it won't happen again, and I know it will take some practice to change this behavior. However, I am very willing to work at it. So again, see this example also shows some of these behaviors are gonna be hard to change. And I know that people say, Yep, but you're doing it over and over again. If you really feel your partner is earnestly putting efforts in changing in subtle ways and making it better, then you don't feel this way. If they aren't, 
then you probably do feel this way. Or you really need to start giving them more of the benefit of the doubt and see that they're changing and that they are making efforts. Here's one that's uh, near and dear to my heart. I am sorry for being late again. That's not me. Everybody knows that's out there when I said I don't, I'm not usually late at all. So my wife gave me this apology. I am so sorry for being late again. I am so sorry you had to wait for me and that we are now running late and the drive might be stressful. We had an agreement and I broke it. I imagine you feel disregarded and angry. It was disrespectful of me. I want to change this habit of procrastinating and being chronically late. I have been avoiding dealing with this habit. I promise I will make better plans from now on. So this stems from uh, some years ago when my wife has been chronically late. I, I don't want to say that she is. She has been. And that's been a major issue a lot in our relationship because, like I said before, I'm not late. So it really bugs me. We were in Italy uh, maybe about four or five years ago. And my wife wanted to do some uh, clothes shopping. And it was hot. And I didn't feel for doing a lot of clothes shopping. So I told her that I'm going to just go do my own thing and let's meet back in 45 minutes at this piazza. We didn't have cell phones at the time. So that agreement was important to me. Back here, 45 minutes. Right? 45 minutes came around. I was sitting there. She was not there. An hour went by. She's not there. Hour and 15 minutes went by. She's not there, and it's hot. I go get a gelato, I come back, and I'm feeling it, feeling angry and, and frustrated, but also I'm starting to feel, of course, worry, right? We're in a foreign country, not way to communicate, which was not a great plan that we had at that time. And I went looking for her, and I couldn't find her. And then another 15 minutes went by. So another about hour came, and... Then I, I, I saw her. She was right at the store that we started at. I got very angry at her. We had it out in, in the piazza. I was worried, and of course, that vulnerability of worriedness showed more of my anger. But I was also pissed. I was upset that she reneged on her agreement, and she did not see it at all. She was like, oh, just get over it. I would told you I was going to be in that store. And I'm like, no, you didn't. We just said we were going to meet in the piazza. And she just didn't have any of it. And she was belittling my request for an apology. And it took a while, you know, for us to come back. Uh, you know, for us, it's not too long, but um, we had to go for a walk and we had to let it go because she was not ready to take accountability. And I requested it a few times after that, and she still didn't take accountability. She didn't feel that she was wrong at all. Six months later, she didn't feel that she was wrong at all. <laughs> so it wasn't until a few years later when we were doing those exercises for the workshop and she wrote down or I wrote down my request for her to think about the apology that I wanted for her to being late in Italy. She got it. She really all of a sudden took responsibility. I don't know what her process was. There was many things that she had to work with on her own of really, really understanding my perspective and really taking accountability for how she affected me. So that apology that I just read was part of her apology. And boy, did it unwind years of holding that I had when I didn't feel understood about her being late. So it was hugely, hugely beneficial to get that from her, as sincere as that. And I know that some of the apologies I just read off, you're probably thinking, man, that is, I don't know if I could do that. Well, that's what you want to work up to, right? I would like to apologize to you for not hearing what you said. I don't expect you to be ready to forgive me. I just want to say my piece, and then I'll give you some time to think about what I've said and then you can apologize. 
And remember, don't defend and don't explain. Heck, if you could just say, I am sorry, those three words without anything after that and say it really sincerely, that's a great start. And then you can work up to, I am so sorry, and then you name your behavior, take accountability and responsibility of it, you tell that person how you feel that you affected them by that behavior, so you show empathy. If there's any regrets that you have, you can express that and any restitution. And again, it can take some time. There was another incident. My wife is really good at apologizing when she's really conscious and takes accountability, and, and she does that often. And there are some things that are deep-seated that we all know. And one of them years ago was with a family member that I felt made a decision that really, truly impacted me. But the reason why that family member made that, that decision because my wife was, what, late. <laughs> and she didn't take accountability of that, that it ruined my vacation. And there was really challenges that I had because of her decision or lack of decision to be on time. And it took some years for her to really get it. And when she got it, and when she gave me a very, very sincere apology, like the ones that I'm giving you examples with and really feeling remorse, I was able to let it go. So that forgiveness part is, you can ask for forgiveness, but don't make it a prerequisite. And the person receiving it doesn't need to forgive. Remember that. You could say, I hear that you want forgiveness. I need to really feel it out. I'm still even angry or I'm still have a lot of feelings. I want to be able to forgive. And I think we all want to be able to forgive because it feels really shitty to hold on to it. And usually forgiveness is for us, for me to let go of how I'm feeling, not to just absolve you. But it's not easy. So we can tell that other person. If you're going to forgive, if you feel that you want to say, yes, I forgive you, then that means that you let it go. You really truly mean it. You forgive them. So it's an important act. You got to really sit with it and really truly feel, do I forgive this person? And then you let it go. If you can't forgive them, don't. But it's always good to accept an apology. I want to say that. I think that's a prerequisite. You always want to accept an apology, even when it's hard. Because if you accept somebody's apology, I accept it doesn't mean, again, that I forgive you. But accepting an apology really makes that person come towards you more. They're going to want to apologize more if you accept it. And if they apologize really shitty, of course, you got to talk about the qualities that you both want in, in apologies. But do it as a learning practice. As I said before, conflict is for understanding. So if you're in conflict that you're not getting the kind of apology that you want, it's an aspect of really trying to communicate to the person come towards you with understanding, not attacking them, not blaming them, not criticizing them for not doing it good enough. Well, I tell you, you know, the one apology though that I think that it's fine to say over and over and over again, and that is when it comes to affairs in relationships and, and especially in marriage. It is so painful. It's the one experience that when I see in, in my practice that couples have, it is gut-wrenching. It shakes the foundation, of course, of the relationship and trust and safety and betrayal. So I tell the betrayer, the person that cheated, that you're going to probably be apologizing for many, many years. And if you continue just to take accountability and responsibility for it, then it's so important. It helps the person really heal from it. For instance, in an affair, boy, it's going to come up all the time. It's going to come up in media, in a movie, in another person that has an affair. So when that happens, I know couples are going to a movie and there's about an affair and they may have healed their own affair or maybe not. But let's say that they felt that they got past it for some years. I think it's very healing for the person that cheated to reach over and touch that other person and just look at them and just say, I am so sorry for my behavior. I am so sorry that I cheated on you. I am so sorry that I hurt you with my decision. Taking full accountability each time really helps that person 
And they also know that you're still understanding how much of an impact that that had on their life. So it's not about mea culpa and again, feeling shame. It's empowerment. It's not putting it underneath the rug. You're saying that I know that this was an experience of our relationship and I am so sorry that I caused this distress in our relationship. So I personally think that that's a very healing one to say over and over again, not in shame, but in empowerment for the relationship and in remorse that you feel it. Because I hear a lot of men say, why do I got to keep saying it? Why do I got to keep saying it? Well, you know what you do? (laughs) Because also you're not really feeling it because you don't want to feel it because you say, why do I got to keep saying it? So that's a one that's a real challenge to move through and a great one to practice remorse. You know, apologies are so needed just even globally. You know, this with all this disconnection and strife that's going on, you know, all the hate and uh, separation, there is such a need for this healing of that. I remember I was in a workshop, a Marianne Williamson's workshop in Maui, Hawaii, when we lived there. It was called Healing of America, I think after her book. And what she did as an exercise, she had all of people who wanted to volunteer as non-native Hawaiians to stand up. And then if there was any native Hawaiians or any native people that were there to uh, stand up. And then she paired um, those groups together, one-on-one, and had the non-native person apologize for the stealing of the land, for the atrocities, for the lying. And it was very powerful when it was done just representing the people that have done it even in the past. And even though they didn't do it themselves, they were representative. So it was healing for the native person just to be able to get that kind of understanding. And we have seen it in other areas. I know, I think it was in like 1995, one of the German chancellors, when he went to talk about the Holocaust at Auschwitz, that he gave a sincere apology for the atrocities that that took place. And that was to, to, to not only face their past, but also as a way to improve the lives for those to come. And I think when nations do that, I know when the Japanese apologize for the uh, World War II atrocities for the South Korean comfort women, there can be a healing that can take place for future generations, not just also the ones that were compromised. Of course, we know that right now a lot what's going on in the world is people and our leaders are not taking accountability and and responsibility. They think that they apologize for any discretion, that it's going to come across as weak. And I know working in the corporate world, there was a lot of that thought process. And that happens in the litigation system a lot, right? Those of you that know it, boy, if you took accountability and apologize for a malpractice, you're going to get sued for that. You don't get any brownie points for saying, yes, we're responsible for all this detriment that we that we did to people you're going to get sued and i know that that needs to take place to transform that kind of attitude of punishing and for the aspect of restitution and we know that there's things that are happening in the world like restorative circles where groups are getting together you know the genocide in rwanda i know those groups were getting together to really fully hear their story for the perpetrator to really hear the victim and what they went through and to be able to do it face to face at times is a powerful, powerful transformation. And the world needs a lot more of that healing and we know how challenging that path is going to be. So what I'm asking you is not easy. I am not asking you to venture into something that always feels good, but I know how liberated I feel when I really give a sincere apology. There was a time when some of you might be asking, yeah, what about, of course, the times where I don't really feel that I'm accountable? I remember a really good friend of mine, Adley, 
shout out, brother. I love you. And there was something that happened years ago, like 23 years ago, when we were in Denmark, that I used to make fun of or laugh, and we would get a joke out of it, something that he said, which I'm not going to say, because I promised him that I wasn't going to say it, but I do want to tell this story. So for years, I would bring that up, and I thought it was funny. At times, he thought it was funny. And then about five years ago, he asked if he could talk to me, and he sat me outside, and he goes, hey, man, I just want to tell you, you know, when you say, tell that story, it really hurts. I just want to tell you that it hurts. And it, I just really got it. I was like, wow, man, I am so sorry that my story and my words hurt you. I don't want you to feel hurt. I will not say that again. And I'm not telling the story, brother. <laughs> I'm giving it as a beautiful example. That's, I think, an example of when you might not think that, you know, you, t- you were wrong. I didn't think I was wrong in saying it, but knowing that it hurt him, if I continued to do it, absolutely, then I was wrong. But I wanted to show empathy that, wow, that story that I repeatedly said, maybe even in that tone, that humorous tone, hurt you. I am so sorry that my words and my stories hurt you. Not all my stories, that story. So I think that's an example that I want you to understand is that just because that you feel that you didn't intentionally hurt somebody doesn't mean that you don't apologize because you apologize for the aspects, especially men. You know, you want to be sensitive to your partner's needs. So that's a good thing to apologize is when you're being insensitive to your partner's needs or when you're being so self-focused that you neglect to zero in on how your partner is feeling and what's going on in their life or not really listening to what they're, they're saying or being critical. Those are some of the things that you could take accountability for when you apologize. You're gonna be able to definitely find something in there when your partner is asking for an apology and you don't think that you're in the wrong. I bet some of those things that you can look at and say, yeah, I have an influence of those. And I'm going to throw in some things that I think that women need to apologize to men for, which is going to be a challenge for some of you out there. Because I I hear so often that men complain that they feel that their partner treats them as if they were a project. And I think, in fact, that is what many women do because I believe that a lot of women enter into a relationship more for a man's potential than who he is that they think that he's going to change or that they can have an influence of his change instead of accepting for who he is. And I think that's unfair. And I tell woman, hey, you bought it. If he's never changed from the moment that you committed, can you live with it? Don't choose him for his potential. If you don't love a man just the way he is, then you probably shouldn't be with him. So here's some things that I see that's kind of interesting is I think that women give double messages at times. Um, They want their man to be sensitive and more emotional, but they also don't want too much of a wimp because women want men to be strong. So that's something I think you need to digest and think about if that's something that would be a good apology. Or at times I hear women assume that all men are the same, that all men are have difficulty communicating, feeling, expressing emotions, that globalized thought process, not being more patient, especially for their man's lack of emotionality and vulnerability. Women get very impatient about that. And if you're holding in, a lot of women hold in their resentments and they wait until it gets too pressurized and then they explode on it. So I think taking accountability and responsibility of, yes, I could tell you this sooner and I need to find a way that you'll come towards me and that you'll hear it. I need to find a way to really speak my truth and not hold it in and then come out in an attacking way or a passive aggressive way. See, those are the kind of things that we can take accountability and responsibility for. The way that we're either avoiding, the way that we're expressing ourselves. So I do think it's so important to be able to set yourselves up in the best conditions for an apology. When asking for an apology, again, if you can ask for it and then tell the person when they're ready, that's ideal. Sometimes you ask for it in the moment and you might need something specific that you might want around it. 
I think it's good again, not to demand it in the moment, but if that's your request, that's your request. And hopefully that person then will take the time in that moment to really feel it. And if they're able to take accountability, then, then they can. But when most people give an apology, they really need to feel safe in order to express their deepest feelings. They need a safe container in order to be emotionally vulnerable. So it's even a good practice like I put out to you and offered you to do your appreciation heart shares, your focus of appreciation to each other. You could set aside one time a week, once every couple of weeks to go over a couple of apologies for the week or so in a focused manner. And one of you, it's great exercise for you to go ahead and write down a few that you want to apologize for. Or if your partner writes down, we've done this before, we've written down three apologies, right? I told you the 10 that we wrote down months ago, but sometimes what we do is we write down a few apologies that we want from the other person and give that to them so that they can contemplate and feel that and digest and be able to give that, hopefully in a, a short time frame, and let the other person know, yes, when I'm gonna be able to give that to you. And ask, are you available? Is this a good time for me to apologize? I would like to apologize to you about so-and-so. So you can use it as a practice, like a meditation practice or any kind of ritual that you do with each other. And boy, I tell you, when we do that, it really skims the weeks and doesn't let things settle in sediment that causes a lot of the disconnection and resentment and separation emotionally between couples. And then all of a sudden, of course, it starts to harden and years and years later, then it's almost, almost impossible to thaw it out. So if you get to apologies a lot sooner in your intimate relationships, you're gonna be able to really benefit any of the hardening that could take place later on. It's a great, great repair tool. And beyond that, it feels good. It really feels good to receive it and to give it. So as you can tell, there's so much to talk about with that. And I'm gonna be talking about it in different ways, have different conversations, but I wanna give you a little bit of introduction of some of the aspects of my thoughts of focusing on apologies. So, I wish you all much adventure and exploration and understanding and a lot of healing in exploring the aspects of the art of apology. Relationships. Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed professional counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk at adithemonk.com. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by PodCraft. Create your own great podcast today, faster and easier at podcraft.us. Thank you.